Ordinarily speaking, a priest is permitted to say Mass only once a day. But there are two times when the Church allows him three Masses, All Souls Day and Christmas. The Gospel readings for each of today's Masses have different scriptures assigned to them. The first two Masses narrate the Christmas story in a two-part account of the events we love to hear about what took place at Bethlehem. But for this third Mass during the day, as it is called, the history yields to a highly developed theology, a shift which makes our minds think about the deep meaning of the incarnation of the Son of God. This may seem to be somewhat of a letdown for those expecting to delight this morning in hearing once again the marvelous recitation about the angels singing in the night sky to the shepherds and about the holy infant Jesus lying in the manger. In place of these, the church has moved what is ordinarily our last gospel text and put it into the heart of the Mass. Here it is not the mystery of the birth of the divine infant from Mary, but rather the mystery of the earlier and eternal birth of the Son of God from the Father, the generation of God from God, light from light, true God from true God. This is in no way a decrescendo, an anticlimactic follow-up to the Christmas story, but an intensification of the meaning of what happened on this day. While anybody can admire the charming scene of the manger and celebrate the birthday of this boy, this son of Mary, only the believing Christian can go further and enter into the mystery of the eternal birth of the divine Son in the bosom of the Father. Here we will have moved from the familiar scene of the creche at Bethlehem into the inner sanctum of heaven itself, and we will have identified the divine nature of this person who was delivered to the world this morning as the son of Mary. St. John tells us about what was in the beginning, that he was in God, and that he was God. The light inaccessible to the eyes of man is now become manifest like the sun shining 
in what had formerly been darkness. The light now made accessible, but only to those who've been elevated and endowed with the superior seeing power of faith. For them, this is the Word made flesh, the Son of God, who became man and who dwelt among us. Non-believers are left standing at the door of the stable as admirers, as the bemused, or as esthetes. But only the elect can enter in and grasp the meaning of the adoration given to this child by the hovering angels, by his ever-so-loving Holy Mother, and by the humble but ardent shepherds. The gift of Christmas is not a gift that everyone without qualification can receive. It requires an openness, an acceptance to the eternal reality of the Blessed Trinity, to the whole of the Christian faith. For the birth of Christ to have its full meaning beyond a lovely and heartwarming story of a human birth, there has to be another kind of birth in the receiver, in those whom St. John speaks of here as those born, note the word born, not of blood, not of the will of man, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. God's Son became man so that we might become sons of God. This means that a new nativity of Christ must have taken place in the soul of every believing Christian. There are indeed three nativities of Christ. His eternal generation from the Father within the Blessed Trinity, his historical taking flesh of the Virgin Mary, being born this day, and his taking up residence in a man's soul through baptism and through sanctifying grace. This last sense of his nativity explains why we can read this gospel at the conclusion of every Mass in the Old Rite, saying the words, We have seen his glory, that glory of the only begotten of the Father. While we have not yet been admitted to heaven to see this glory, we hope to be there one day, And while we have not been before the manger, we have seen the glory of Christ with the penetrating supernatural vision that only believers have. 
See how these thoughts are phrased so beautifully in the sublime and ancient words of the Christmas preface of the Mass, which I am soon to say. In speaking to God the Father, it reads, Through the mystery of the Word made flesh, a new radiance from your glory has so shone on the eye of the soul that the recognition of our God made visible draws us to love what is invisible. There you have captured in one sentence the duality of the themes of Christmas. God and man, word and flesh, visible and invisible, the knowing mind of man alone and his superior knowing through faith. If God were to give us in his largesse all the riches of heaven, all the service of the nine choirs of angels at our disposal, all the created universe, he would have given us infinitely less than what he has given us by the incarnation of Christ. It cost God only one word to create the world. Let it be. But in order to redeem it, to save it, the word descended from his heavenly throne and humbled himself to the lowly condition of this low world in order to lift us up high to elevate our status, to allow us to see, to give us entry into the kingdom of God. Every day the church reads these words in the last gospel of the traditional mass. The word was made flesh. And many devout Catholics repeat them in their daily recitation of the Angelus. This is not only a statement of a religious fact, a confession of faith, but it is also an act of love. Being born again in Christ, having known this sense of his birth in us, in our souls, We can love him with a supernatural love that's far beyond a poetic or artistic or sentimental or holiday kind of love at Christmas. This is that love which has been infused into us, one might say transfused from the heart of Christ burning with love for his Father, into us. 
It's a love which doesn't admire from a distance, but which enters in and touches God, who has first loved us. And so, a man who's not baptized or a baptized man who's not in a state of grace can share this feast day with us all right, but he can't go beyond standing on the outside. It takes a living faith, a faith animated by a living charity, to draw out from this day its deepest meaning, relevance, and full effect. This is the thing I pray for my parishioners to have in them all the time. The grace and the love of Christ. It's the perennial, the daily nativity of the Lord in the sacraments and in his indwelling in their souls. May our Lord preserve us in this Or may he restore this in those who have lost it. It's the gift of Christmas which endures and is daily celebrated by the supernaturally alive members of the church.